the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Monday, April 10th, 2023. I hope you all had a blessed, prayerful, and safe holiday. Vice President Kamala Harris went to Nashville yesterday not to speak on the school shooting that killed six people, including three students at a Christian school there, but rather to defend two state legislators who were expelled from the legislature for disrupting it. Odd, you say, right? Because we thought taking over a House of Legislation or a legislature, as we've repeatedly been told since January 6th of 2021, disrupting the work against the rules, forcing yourself upon the floor and against the Capitol Police is not only wrong, but an assault on democracy. That's what we were told, right? Where consequences should flow. And odd because we thought school shootings were important too, right? Tragically so. So we thought maybe something about that would be the cause of Kamala Harris's trip? No. Defending two legislators who were part of the incitement of mob violence in Nashville was the cause of her trip. A trip that didn't seem to take an awful lot of time to cobble together, did it? When we're told it takes a long time to schedule a trip for the vice president or the president, like to the border or East Palestine, that takes a long time. A lot of advance work and, of course, has to be prioritized as important. Two legislators, however, being credibly, by dint of a Democratic vote of their colleagues, removed from their office for disruption and breaking the rules of the legislature on behalf of anti-gun legislation, and they got an immediate trip and a speech from Kamala Harris within two days, again, about two weeks after a Christian school was targeted where people were killed, and again, about which she has had nothing to say. But to Nashville, she went yesterday and, among other things, said this, quote, A democracy says you don't silence the people. You do not stifle the people. You don't turn off their microphones when they are speaking about the importance of life and liberty. This is not what a democracy does, close quote. You don't silence people. You don't stifle the people. Now, maybe she might consider going back to her hometown of San Francisco or saying something like that there, because just last Thursday, one Riley Gaines went to give a talk at San Francisco State University, and to quote exactly from the local local news report at KTVU, she, quote, was barricaded in a room at San Francisco State University Thursday night after she was physically assaulted following a speech to students about saving women's sports, close quote. Some of you may have seen the video Riley posted. It was a mob attack on her. And she was, yes, barricaded for three hours. There could be another word for that. The law against kidnapping. In California, the kidnapping statute reads, quote, The crime of kidnapping is defined as moving another person a substantial distance without that person's consent by means of force or fear, close quote. If you don't like kidnapping, there's another law in California 
against false imprisonment. It reads, quote, restraining, detaining, or confining a person against his or her will, close quote. Now, before she was restrained and detained and confined against her will, she was hit twice, struck, assaulted, battered by a man in a dress. That is assault and battery. What was, again, the cause of this melee? She was speaking about the importance and need to protect women in sports. Now, this being San Francisco and a public university there, do you think the former district attorney of San Francisco named Kamala Harris will have anything to say about a democracy not silencing or stifling people, as she did adult legislators who were peacefully voted to be expelled from their offices by their peers for encouraging incitement, like we were told is a threat to democracy, like when the date falls in the first week of January in Washington, D.C.? Don't count on it. These militants at San Francisco State University wanted Riley dead. Why? Because she didn't think Leah Thomas should have gotten the fifth place 200-meter trophy in a swimming tournament Riley tied her for last year, and because she doesn't think Leah Thomas should have the right Riley described the day before. What right? Well, the right to share a locker room with her. As she, Riley put it, quote, We were not forewarned beforehand that we would be sharing a locker room with Leah. We did not give our consent. They did not ask us for our consent. But in that locker room, we turned around and there's a six foot four biological man dropping his pants and watching us undress. And we were exposed to his male genitalia, close quote. They, quote, they, the NCAA, are encouraging biological men to compete in women's sports, close quote. That's what she said. And indeed they are. And a lot of other things, too. Riley tweeted after she left the San Francisco State University campus, she tweeted, The prisoners are running the asylum. I perked up when I read she wrote that because as regular listeners here know, I really like that image, that phrase, its origin. It comes from a short story by Edgar Allan Poe, and it's about mental health and a mental asylum and what, after all, could be more apt The Poe story, his story is titled The System of Dr. Tar and Professor Feather. It's the 1845 story by Edgar Allan Poe from which we get the phrase inmates have taken over the asylum. A physician wanted to see a reputed mental health facility, an asylum that boasted it had figured out how to treat the insane using something called the soothing system. When that physician got there, he noticed the administrators were agitated, but the patients placid. What he only realized later was that there was an uprising, and the insane had taken over and imprisoned the administrators, the sane. And what did the new masters do? They humored their patients by never contradicting their fantasies or hallucinations. If I may quote from Poe, quote, We contradicted no fancies which entered the brains of the mad. On the contrary, we not only indulged but encouraged them, and many of our most permanent cures have been thus affected. There is no argument which so touches the feeble reason of the madman as the argumentum ad absurdum. We have had men, for example, who fancied themselves chickens. The cure was to insist upon the thing as a fact. To accuse the patient of stupidity is not sufficiently perceiving it to be a fact, and thus to refuse him any other diet for a week than that which properly appertains to a chicken. In this manner, a little corn and gravel were made to perform wonders." We used to joke that a man could think he's Napoleon, but that doesn't make him so. 
When the inmates take over the asylum, that is just what makes him so, where the frenzy becomes the normal and the agitated and anxiety-ridden foist their neuroses on the rest in order to normalize, or one might say desensitize or soothe the rest of society, be it an asylum or in a polis, a city, a state. Make crazy normal, make right wrong, make calm frenzy. Men may not think they are chickens at SFSU, but I don't know what will stop them. They do think they are women, and we indulge and encourage it, just as Poe wrote. And it's absolute madness. Now, about this absolute madness, the violence at San Francisco State University, just coming off the heels of the riotous shutdown of a federal judge trying to speak at Stanford Law School just 30 minutes away, about all this, it's easy to to dismiss it as the acts of extremists. Adam Carolla was saying that to Dr. Dr. Drew Pinsky the other day. People just say, well, those are leftist extremists, and that's wrong. They aren't. This isn't Antifa. This isn't even BLM. Peaceful, truly peaceful protesters. These are college students and law school students, whole rooms and classes of them. Yes, I get that campus protests in the 60s were also led by students, but they were the minority. And they didn't threaten people with their lives. These campuses have become asylums, and their students have become the patients who have taken them over, not only with insane thoughts, but with the force of violence wedded to some kind of self-righteousness. And nobody will do anything about it. As mentioned the other day, Harvard is being sued by Asian-American students who claim they are being discriminated against in favor of other racial minorities. In its legal brief, Harvard's lawyers write their practice is to promote diversity and, quote, diversity leads to greater knowledge for everyone and promotes the tolerance and mutual respect that are so essential to the maintenance of our civil society, close quote. The brief goes on to say that Harvard's curriculum and admissions policies, quote, are designed to expose students to new ideas, new ways of understanding, and new ways of knowing in and outside the classroom, close quote. Well, it's a lie. It's not true. If you are stepping on a college campus as a biological female to explain the problems of allowing biological men who think they are women to compete against you, nothing more than that, nothing more than pointing out a simple biological unfairness without even getting into the whole debate about transgenderism, just that maybe biological males make competition against females unfair or unequal. If you are an accomplished female swimmer saying nothing more than that, you will be battered physically and falsely imprisoned for hours. There is not an effort in the name of diversity to grant knowledge to everyone or nurture tolerance, mutual respect for what is clearly not only a common sense, but also clearly a minority viewpoint. This diversity defense is nonsense. It's not true. It stands for enforced unification of consent. That's what it stands for. The inmates truly have taken over the asylums, and if we aren't careful and attempt some effort at correcting and reversing this, we will all be tarred and feathered. So in the end, I think if Kamala Harris really believed in diversity, she might go back to her hometown and say what she said in Nashville yesterday. You don't silence people in a democracy. She can't, and she won't, because she doesn't believe it. She believes you can silence certain people if they don't think right or rightly. And the right thinking comes from its nurturing and crafting in asylums.
once known as colleges and universities, where the inmates have now very clearly taken over. I'm Seth Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Um, It's a tweet here that says, Bud Light has been silent for over a week while tens of millions expressed their outrage at Anheuser-Busch's market cap, dipping about $4 billion. Here's free advice, according to this Twitterer tweeter. Fire the woke marketing team, say you're sorry, and put out a series of pro-America fratty ads. Or stay woke and lose another $10 billion. Why does he say fratty ads? Because the VP of um, marketing uh, at Anheuser-Busch used that phrase. Um, she said, I am a businesswoman. I had a really clear job to do when I took over Bud Light. The brand is in decline. It has been in decline for a long time. And if we do not attract young drinkers to come and drink this brand, there will be no future for Bud Light. So I had this super clear mandate, she said. It's like we need to evolve and elevate this incredibly iconic brand. And my, what I thought to do that was a belief in, okay, what does evolve and elevate means? It means inclusivity. It means shifting the tone. It means having a campaign that's truly inclusive and feels lighter and brighter and different and appeals to men and women. I mean, Bud Light has been kind of a brand of fratty, kind of out-of-touch humor, and it was really important that we had another approach. Well, I like this line. It means having a campaign that's truly inclusive and feels lighter and brighter and different and appeals to women and men. Hmm. Which one is Dylan Mulvaney? I guess a woman, if you take him seriously. It's all about the CEI system, uh, as uh, Scott Johnson uh, puts it. That's exactly what it's about. The corporate equality or equity index. That's what it's about. Um, count, count us out. Count us out. I, I, this, it is amazing. If, if you have a subscription to The Economist magazine, and I, I'm not recommending that you get one, but if you have one or if you know someone who has one, it's very much worth looking at their April 5th issue and an article that's titled The Evidence to Support Medicalized Gender Transitions is Worryingly Weak with the subtitle The Effectiveness and Side Effects of the Most Common Treatments Are Not Well Understood. It's a very good well-researched piece. I'm a little surprised they publish it. But The Economist is a European magazine, and you know who's backtracking on this transgender of youth fetish stuff? The Europeans are. They started it, and they're backtracking on it. They're backtracking on it, just kind of like England did with legalization of marijuana. They did that, and then they realized, oops, and they started backtracking on it as well. But this, yeah, the CEI system, you know, we talk about social credit ratings in China. The uh, CEI system is not really going to be much different here. Dana Kennedy 
at the New York Post writes, um, executives at companies like Nike, Anheuser Bush, and Kate Spade, whose brand endorsements have turned controversial trans influencer Dylan Mulvaney into today's woke it girl, aren't just virtue signaling. They're handing out lucrative deals to what were once considered fringe celebrities because they have to or risk failing an all-important social credit score that could make or break their business. At stake is their Corporate Equality Index, or CEI score, which is overseen by the Human Rights Campaign, the largest LGBTQ plus political lobbying group in the world. HRC, which has received, of course, has millions from George Soros's Open Society Foundation, among others, issues report cards for America's biggest corporations via the CEI, awarding or subtracting points for how well companies adhere to what the Human Rights Campaign calls its rating criteria. You can get a best place to work for LGBTQ equality if you get 100 points. 15 of the top 20 Fortune-ranked companies received 100% ratings last year. More than 180, uh, excuse me, more than 840 U.S. companies racked up CEI scores, according to the latest report. The Human Rights Campaign, which was formed in 1980 and started the CEI, is led by Kelly Robinson, who was named as president in 2022 and worked as a political organizer for Barack Obama's 2008 presidential campaign. It's it's an open question as to whether companies are going to distance themselves from the kind of thing Anheuser-Busch is doing, or if this is as serious as I think it is, replicate it. Mulvaney is 26. She's earned or he's earned more than a million dollars from endorsements and has 10 million followers on TikTok. Yeah, of course. Of course. That's uh, that's what's made her. It's really, I want to talk about it in a little bit, the way she acts as if she's female or the way she portrays herself as female or himself as female, however you want to phrase it. If you ever have the um, strength, that's the right word for it, strength to watch one of her videos, tell me if you know any woman that acts or talks like that. It's a burlesque of how people make fun of women acting. Feminists should be up in arms over this kind of portrayal of females. It's one of the most juvenile. It's one of the most juvenile portrayals of femininity or womanhood I can ever recall seeing, and it's routine. And she gets awarded million-dollar contracts and exclusive one-on-one meetings with Joe Biden, who's too busy to do other things he calls not as important. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. John Dombrowski is the president and founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. His website, grandcanyonplanning.com, great way to reach out to him. He also is the host of his own radio show, heard here every Saturday morning at 7 a.m., The Word on Wealth. How are you, John? I hope you had a 
restful or prayerful weekend or both. I did. Thank you so much for asking. I hope you did as well. I did. I wanted to talk to you about jobs, but you also highlighted this thing for me that you're always so good at alerting us to, and I think it might, in fact, be the bigger story, at least for helping people rather than just um, getting a global view of things or a 50,000-foot view. This is really fascinating. And it didn't dawn on me. It makes all the sense in the world. The FBI is now warning against using public phone charging stations. Tell us about this. It's really interesting. It is interesting. How often do you go to an airport? Yeah, all or the you time. Go I to do a hotel. Yeah. yeah. And you know your phone's running a little low, and you think, well, I'm going to get on the plane, and in case the plane doesn't have a public charging system, right. maybe I'll go ahead and just plug my phone into one of these uh, ports that this, the airports are offering. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the FBI is now finding that these have, uh, in many cases, been hacked, Mm -hmm. and uh, your phone is at risk if you're going to plug into one of these chargers. They're saying basically to bring your own USB cable and your own plug and find an outlet rather than plugging directly into their uh, you know, their outlets there. So they're U- USB outlets. Yeah, right. So exactly right. So bring your own and just plug it into a normal right. socket. That's that's the way to avoid this. It's. I, I was listening to someone earlier today talking about if you, if you travel, say, to China and yep. use your cell phone, throw it out. No, really. Use when a, you when use you a burner phone, yeah, they yeah, exactly. You know, buy a burner phone. Yeah, when you're exactly over there. right. Exactly right. Don't bring your phone. Now you yeah. don't have to even go to China to worry about these kinds of problems. You just go to an American airport, yeah. and um, there is a danger that if you use one of these uh, charging stations and the, the, their equipment on them. Um, that you 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 could have the same problem, uh, and I know you want perhaps to maybe talk worse, to, maybe a financial yeah. problem. Yeah. And I know you want to talk about yeah. jobs too, yeah. but yeah. Um, just think about this: when you go onto the airplane and you look for their search for their Wi-Fi, yeah. oftentimes you see Joe's phone yeah. or yeah. Paula's phone right. or whatever. Yeah. Again, so important for you to put a password on your phone. Yeah. Uh, because if you're not, then people would be able to see your phone as a hotspot, possibly, and yep. use your phone and, and be able to break into your phone and get all your data. So, I see it all the time, and yep. you're absolutely right. Yep. There's no flight I haven't seen this on, um, and that's exactly right. You're using someone else's phone or they yours as a hotspot. That's exactly your Wi-Fi yeah. at home and or anything else. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, okay, good warnings. I'm glad you flagged that. That's important to know, and I might have missed it myself if you didn't. Um, Joe Biden is bragging about the job situation. He may not have that much bragging right, huh? No, I mean we've we've been seeing the decreasing, uh, you know, jobs numbers. Uh, over the past number of months, as well as unemployment numbers rising, things are not looking good for the jobs market. Now, some, you know, some may say, well, you know, we lost 4 million people yeah. in the uh, Great Resignation, yeah. and so maybe that's why the unemployment numbers are lower than maybe what they would normally be if 4, four million other people were looking for work. Right. Um, so that's certainly an issue. Uh, and we know that there's a shortage of workers out there because we can still see businesses that are struggling to find help. Like four and so, a half million. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it is a real challenge out there. But the president is probably going to be saying, hey, look how good things are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, three and a half percent unemployment. But that's not really a real number. No. When you look at 
the people that left the workforce or that people that gave up, you know, uh, during COVID and, and stayed home and never got, came back to no, work. No, for so, three and a half to be a real number, yeah. you'd have to create something like over six million jobs. And yeah. that just hasn't happened. Hasn't happened. No. And we're seeing it decreasing as well as, um, you know, and in an article here they talked about during Trump's uh you know, presidency, what had happened during the recovery, initial phases of the recovery, the numbers were staggering of yeah. how many people were coming back to work. Yeah. Um, and things immediately slowed. But why? That'd be the question. Yeah. How come? Yeah. Well, maybe because we're paying people to stay home. That's exactly right. We killed you it. Know? We killed they it. We killed threw it. money at people and said, don't, don't leave your house. You know, don't go back to work. We'll take care of you. Uh, you know, the government's here to help. We, d- we did that. We, we used to think working was important or having a job was important, just as we used right. to tell kids going to school was important when yeah. they didn't want to. We killed those things. We killed Your them. Self-esteem. It helps everyone's self-esteem. It helps to a be, lot. Yeah. Yeah. You, you bet it does. All right, buddy. Thank you. You bet. If uh, people need to speak with me regarding what's going on in the economy and the market, Securities and Advisory Services over the Creative One Securities LLC, a member of FINRA and Typical Investment Advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Creative One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Go to GrandCanyonPlanning.com. Thanks, Seth. Thanks, John. God bless you. Yeah. I'm Seth. 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. I was on a uh, conference call this morning uh, with a group of people, one of whom was in Louisville when um, the story of the shooting there took place, was taking place. And um, I am still astounded I am still astounded that news reports can air about these shootings and and be wrong. Tell us what you don't know if you don't know it. Or hold yourselves accountable for getting these things wrong all the time. All the time. It never fails. It's the one thing you can guarantee will never fail. If God forbid and heaven forfend... There is a mass shooting. You can guarantee the first reports will always be wrong. Not almost always. I have yet to see one that isn't. I have yet to see one that doesn't get key things wrong. I've seen speculations. I've seen all kinds of things. But tell us what you don't know rather than inventing things you do. There's a sad part to this. A Louisville police officer was fighting for his life today, hours after being shot by a gunman. He was shot in the head during this mass shooting inside a bank building. Officer Nick Wilt, 26, just graduated from the police academy on March 31st and had barely been on the job when he was shot. Obviously, our prayers go to everyone in that community and You know, the first responders especially, too, for getting there so quickly and getting in there so quickly. We're having a hard time recruiting these guys and gals. We're having a really hard time doing it. That's something we we ruined, too, particularly in 2020, but not just in 2020. There had been a long tear against cops building up to the riots of 2020, a long tear and shortages leading up to that, too. 
kind of interesting. We think about this from time to time. You know, we're doing this great event with Dennis Prager. You heard the ads. I think I'm going to talk to him a little bit about this, among a lot of other things. April 27th, we're doing a cigar night with Dennis Prager. You can get tickets at 960thepatriot.com. It'll be a heck of a great event. Is there anyone you'd rather have an intimate night with and a cigar or a beverage than Dennis Prager? It's going to be a great event. And uh, I have a lot of questions for him. If you guys have questions for him, too, you feel free to email or call. I prefer you call. But... Um, Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. You have a direct line to the person who will be asking him those questions. So feel free to call me and I'll ask him. But one of the things I want to talk to him about, you think about the siege cops are under and the deficit in their forces, how understaffed they all are. I saw an emergency today coming to work and I just wondered, I saw a lot of cops rushing over and past me you pull over i saw about nine cars going at breakneck speed nine cop cars you wonder if they needed more if there were more if they were stressed you wonder if they were taking off other emergencies for that we have a deficit here in phoenix too the thing i wanted to talk about with you and i will plan on it i think with dennis as well is things we used to tell kids and things kids used to tell us, children, children, they used to, I mean, you, you used to, Bill, this was probably true of you. It probably dropped off a little bit after you, but it was probably true of your age cohort. You asked kids when they were like playing around five, six, seven, what did they, they played cops and robbers. If you asked them, did you ever play? I don't know if you played. You did. Yeah. Okay. Um, you asked them what they wanted to be when they grew up. Didn't they say they wanted to be policemen? They wanted to be firemen? They wanted to, I don't know if they were still doing astronauts. Were they still, did kids want to become? Some of them even wanted to be cowboys. Of course, you played a game with cowboys you can't play anymore, right? Or you played a game as cowboys you can't play anymore. And we we told those young boys... That to say such things, you want to be a cop? You want to engage in martial virtues? I mean, we didn't use that phrase with them, but you want to do things that we considered adult male role model things, the kinds of things Western movies were made of, the kind of things that stood for the rugged Western development of America. We plastered a name on it, and we may not have used the word martial virtue with them but you know what word we did use with them toxic masculinity that's what we told them that was we told them that to want to engage in these very natural time tested and heroic things that's a good word heroic things is to engage in toxic masculinity and surprise surprise Enough years of telling boys not to do that sort of thing, not to want to be that sort of thing, to be ashamed of having that kind of fun and for parents to not encourage them to play like that. Surprise, 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 what started happening? Boys started becoming girls. Now, not everywhere and not all that many, but you saw the trend. You saw the trend. And you started confusing them, and you start looking around, and 
old song, Where Have All the Cowboys Gone, was a lament that there weren't any anymore because they used to be seen as good things, and we don't have them anymore. In fact, cowboy is a dirty word. When that story was invented about the Border Patrol on horses with whips, invented, invented, Maxine Waters held a press conference, and what was her derogatory term for the Border Patrol? She called them cowboys, derogatorily, as if it was a dirty word. Kids used to like to play store. They used to want to have lemonade stands. We took the work ethic away. We said work wasn't important, as I was talking about with John Dombrowski. Can you imagine over six million and a half, six and a half million eligible people to go work and be productive, provide for their families? And they just totally dropped out. They're just not interested. They can make do with enough government benefits, subvention, we used to call it. They can make do without the job. Half of that population, by the way, is on an opioid or a painkiller. And we wonder about the mental health crisis, and we wonder about unstable families, and we wonder about families that can't provide for themselves, and we wonder about kids not having role models, and Bud Light gives them Dylan Mulvaney. Good work. Thinking about the economy, banks failing, stock market volatility, possible recession on the horizon. If you could invest in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return not correlated to the stock market or the Fed, wouldn't you want to? It's an investment where you can turn your monthly income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you like, and no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. Your interest is compounded daily. You're paid monthly. There are no fees. This is a secure collateralized portfolio that delivers a high fixed interest rate. Talking about my friends at Y-Refi. You may want to talk to them too. They're local. You can visit with them. I encourage you to stop by their offices on Scottsdale Road in the 101. I've been there a lot. I can tell you you will not get a sales pitch and no one's going to ask you to sign anything. When you meet with the team at Y-Refi, you'll see why I trust them, and you can too. Why Refi, why Refi is a due diligence approved firm. You can earn up to 10.25% rate of return. That's right, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. If you don't, go visit them. Check them out online at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or call them at 888-YREFI-34, 888-YREFI-34. Well, this is uh, long overdue, this story, courtesy of Breitbart, coming in. Uh, House Judiciary Republicans today announced an upcoming hearing shining a spotlight on the victims of violent crime. Now, they're going to be doing it in Manhattan. That's a good idea. According to the release today, it's going to be a field hearing dubbed Victims of Violent Crime in Manhattan. It'll take place next Monday. The hearing will, quote, examine how Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg's pro-crime, anti-victim policies have led to an increase in violent crime in a dangerous community for New York City residents. Chairman Jim Jordan said Alvin Bragg's radical pro-crime and anti-victim policies have led to an increase in violent crime in New York City. And... um, 
Of course, yes. The irony is not lost. The hearing comes on the heels of Bragg formally announcing charges against Donald Trump last week, alleging that he repeatedly and fraudulently falsified New York business records. House Republicans have also sought to investigate the unprecedented abuse of authority against Trump, but right now they want to put the focus on the victims of crime. Over 72% of New York City violent crime suspects freed without bail go on to commit more crimes. Did you get that? Over over, over 72% of violent crime suspects are freed without bail, and they go on to commit more crimes. You'd think this recipe would be easy if you cared about violent crime. You'd think it would be. You'd think it wouldn't be going after a former president on flimsy charges of almost decades-old actions that involved a faulty business entry into the ledger books. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. Give me a call. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.